Hello and welcome to the first of what will be a series of podcasts from us at Herbert Smith Rehills on shareholder activism. My name is Antonia Kirkby and I'm joined today by Mark Bardell, who's a partner in our corporate division here, and Neil Blake, who's a partner in our disputes team. Um, as this is our first episode, we're just going to give you an introduction to activism today and look at what we mean by it, who the activists are, and, and some of the issues that companies should be aware of, um, either in anticipation of or when on the receiving end of uh, an activism campaign. We'll explore all these themes in a bit more detail in future episodes, so today is very much an introduction to this area. Mark, can we start with you? Should we start at the beginning and explain what we mean when we're talking about activism? Sure. Um, well, thank you very much. I, I think uh, the easiest way to understand activism is to categorise it into four categories. Um, the first of those, I think, is personal. So we're talking about adding or removing directors, the kind of issues that pop up in the US in the proxy season or in the UK around annual general meetings. And it's all about adding people to the board or removing individuals from the board. And therefore, it gets quite personal. Second category, I think, is all around events. Um, and I would put in that uh, people pursuing a particular M&A event, maybe trying to push for a demerger within the business, maybe a sale of a division or even something like a buyback, a return of value to, to shareholders. So it's all around those corporate events in, in the life of the company. A third kind of ap uh, activism is operational. Um, so certain shareholders speaking directly to the executive management team saying do more of this or less of that or go in this direction or that geography rather than something else. And you, you get into quite heated debates about the operations of that particular business. And fourthly, uh, there's the category which is different, difficult to put a label on, but you know it when you see it. Uh, which is what I'm going to call agenda activism. So it, in in these current times, climate is a big feature of all of that. And there are organisations, whether politically motivated or otherwise, uh, who have an agenda and they are pushing that agenda through the vehicle of being a shareholder in a, in a particular company. So those are my four categories to set up the, the landscape. And implicit within that is you'll see that there are very different kinds of individuals, um, funds, bodies, organisations who are therefore activists um, and none of them are good or bad, black hat, white hat. Uh, everybody's got a different policy that they're trying to pursue and, and they're doing it through legal means and through the context of being shareholders in companies. Thank you. Is there a prescribed form that an activist campaign takes? Is there a set format for an activist campaign? So I think there isn't. Um, but you can put them in a spectrum uh, of most aggressive at one end or most heated, if you like. And those would be public proxy battles. So there's a vote, a shareholder vote happening at a meeting and both sides put out their arguments through circulars and announcements and they're whipping the vote through professional proxy chasers. At that end of the spectrum, pretty unusual in the UK um, and, and very unusual in Europe as well. You see more of it having happened over the years in the US. Um, 
But what you tend to see more of uh, in the UK and continental Europe uh, is a, a shareholder will start their campaign more privately, speaking directly to the board, and then escalate by going more public, perhaps through traditional media outlets or e even things like microsites and websites, edging more and more towards those those fully blown proxy battles that are quite unusual. Um, and, and then, of course, you've got that agenda activism, which is all about getting your cause and your name um, highlighted in one way or another. Thank you. Um, Neil, should we turn to you now? From your perspective as a disputes lawyer, what are the issues that you see and what are the things that companies should be uh, aware of in these scenarios? I think as a company that's uh, on the receiving end of an activist campaign, in assessing the, the likelihood that litigation is going to eventuate, it's important to characterise uh, the nature of the activist that you are dealing with. And in, in that sense, from a, a pure litigation risk perspective, I think you can divide uh, the population of, of activist investors into, into two categories. Firstly, those who are principally investors uh, and whose activism is a means to an end. It's a means to uh, increase investment returns on the one hand. Uh, and on the other hand, those sort of NGO or quasi political organisations, those driven by an agenda who are principally campaigning, um, but do so by means of acquiring shares and using the, the, the status as a shareholder as a vehicle through which to advance that agenda. Um, just looking first at the former case where you have an activist who is seeking to uh, drive their investment returns, there will often be uh, litigation threatened uh, in connection with the matters they complain of, whether it's a strategic issue or um, whether it's a particular corporate act, something event driven, as Mark described. Um, and it will usually be said that failure to, to do whatever the activist wants to do constitutes a breach of duty and there will be a derivative claim threatened. But in the usual run of things, such claims uh, seldom eventuate. Um, the bars to a successful derivative claim are well known, and it is unlikely that the relevant activists would get any kind of relief that would be useful to them in the time that they would wish to get it. And so oftentimes uh, the sabre rattling of litigation is just that. Uh, and the publicity attendant on the threat of litigation is in fact what gives the, the relevant activists the leverage that they want to secure the changes that they would wish to see. Um, by contrast, looking at the other group uh, where you have campaigning groups seeking specific corporate change uh, through having become shareholders, um, this is a perhaps a more recent phenomenon, um, particularly uh, uh, newsworthy at the moment in light of the derivative claim that's been brought by Client Earth against Shell, um, wherein it is said that certain aspects of the climate policy of Shell uh, constitute breaches of the relevant director's duties. And that derivative claim is currently at the permission stage. Um, while I think the um, consensus among the, the, the us legal watchers of that case is that they will have significant challenges overcoming the, the permission stage. Um, nonetheless, it is a, a super interesting development. And in a world where permission may be granted for such a derivative claim to proceed, I think in the context of that uh, very much agenda driven activism, uh, the risks of litigation would very much significantly increase. Um, one other thing it's worth mentioning, I think, in the context of litigation, uh, it, 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 particularly from the perspective of those who might be on the receiving end of an activist campaign, is how you deal with the 
uh, very serious and, and, and quite prominent publicity that tends to be generated by an activist campaign, particularly in the context of the open letter or the quasi report uh, that activists tend to publish in order to, to further their cause. Um, boards will often think about issues such as defamation, whether of the company or whether of the directors in the content of those documents. And equally, they may apply their minds to whether company information has been obtained and misused and published uh, in those documents. Um, working out whether there is a worthwhile litigious option in response to those documents is a, is a very delicate balance. Um, in a defamation context, there can be ex issues of actionability for a corporate claimant, which needs to show it's liable to suffer serious financial loss as a result of the matters published. And equally, there is a strategic point as to whether by bringing any proceedings for any defamatory content, you are merely giving a platform to the activist uh, to further sort of amplify, amplify their voice uh, among the shareholder base and therefore further their cause. Um, similarly, with regard to the confidentiality issues, while there can be very good and sensible reasons for seeking to, an injunction to restrain the publication of confidential information, um, one does have to manage the optics of that quite carefully in an activist context in that generally a, an activist will be very much beating the drum of transparency uh, and being seen public to, publicly to be opposed to trans, uh, transparency. So it will be said against you uh, is not necessarily a good thing in that context and so needs a, a good deal of careful thought and judgment in deciding how best to proceed. Thanks, Neil. Um, so. To wrap up, can you do you both want to give me your thoughts on how companies can best prepare for this situation if, if they're, in they're on the receiving end? Mark, do you want to go first? Sure. So I think the best advice, and if you take nothing else away from this, um, it, that for those listening, is to be prepared um, to not allow yourself to be caught on the hop by these things. Activism in its various forms is a feature of daily life um, for publicly listed companies nowadays. And, and therefore, it shouldn't surprise anybody to be on the receiving end of these kind of things um, and, and therefore be prepared at the risk of sounding like a Cub Scout is, is the most important thing that you can do here. And what does that mean in practice? I think it means... Um, having some frequently asked questions and answers available um, within the company to 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 put forward answers to think through what the likely events as i described m&a buybacks shareholder value return that those are things that companies always prepare for and, and just pulling it together in, in one place for a um possible response to activism is important similarly operational responses um, and, and also just having an eye to what agendas uh, might be put forward to the company, knowing what business and industry it is in. These things, are, I think, are not surprising uh, when you get the chance to pause and, and think about what will be coming forward and watching closely your shareholder register uh, to see working together with your brokers, to see new people coming in, what, what they're interested in, and looking at your long-standing shareholders, what they themselves are interested in, in terms of agenda items and all those good good points about 
operations and, and events and all the rest of it. So th- those that's my two penneth worth uh, um, in terms of being prepared. Neil, what do you think? Well, being prepared is always a good thing, particularly in a litigious context. And as you rightly say, Mark, I think with a, uh, some careful consideration of the nature of the business that the, the, the given company is, is involved in and uh, some scrutiny of the corporate literature, um, one could generally identify probably half a dozen areas of litigation risk where preparing some anticipatory materials uh, and making sure that those are properly shared between the legal team and the investor relations team will be super important in being able to act decisively and promptly um, should an activist pop up and, and seek to make trouble. And one thing I should add as well is keeping Neil's number close to heart because I regularly ring him when we're in the middle of these things. Uh, so <laughs> on on that note, Antonia, back to you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you both very much. That was a really useful, interesting um, introduction to this area. Um, for our listeners, you can find more information on our Herbert Smith Freehills website. We've got some guides and further information on there. And we will be back soon with more episodes where we explore some of the themes we've talked about today and other themes like um, ESG issues and activism at AGMs in more detail. But in the meantime, thank you for listening and thank you both, Neil and Mark, for joining me today and goodbye. Thank you very much.